recording. We can edit this out. Hello and welcome disc golfers to the Hitting the Line podcast. I am your host, Jad. And of course, as per usual, I am joined by my brother, Nasser. How's it going, Nas? Jad, I am doing very well. Took a little bit of a spanking last week on prize picks, but uh, we're here again. And we're going to do it to ourselves for another week. I mean, didn't we all? Uh, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, Ricky losing in the first round. Who had that? Uh, probably nobody. How foolish are we? Oh, this is our lock. Don't skip past this one. Yeah. Um, we had Kyle Klein, who was forced to go to a playoffs because he had, if anybody's seen it, like a 12-foot spit out. It was dead center chain um, spit out. A couple other upsets happened. And, you know, our other lock, we were just hoping Katrina Allen could get by Haley King. Uh, and she couldn't do that either. So brackets were definitely busted last week. Money was lost, but I mean that's the way she rolls, especially in a twelve-hole game of match play. Yeah, I think if you know it's if it's something that was over thirty-six holes or something like that, more time for the better player to win. I think we would have had a better bracket. But I think I saw the PDGA post something like after day one, only one percent of brackets were left perfect. So a lot of people's brackets were busted with Ricky losing to Emerson. And with all that trash that Ricky was jokingly talking to Emerson beforehand, it had to have felt good for Mr. Keith to uh, come on top with at least one win there. Yeah, I'm sure he won some money. He hasn't really won this year either. He he definitely had a better year last year than he has this year. Uh, maybe he'll rebound in Tennessee this week. Speaking of, we are in Nashville this week um, for the Music City Open. Nas, is this the 13th installment or the 12th? This is our 12th episode, the Music City Open. 12th episode of the Hitting the Line podcast, and let's just jump into it. Yeah, you know, just like you said, this is our 12th episode, although a lot of a lot more people know about prize picks and daily fantasy disc golf now than they did maybe two weeks ago with the DGPT partnering with prize picks, and as well as, drumroll, the foundation bros also are now on prize picks, but we know all of you listeners out there know we are the original one and only Daily Fantasy Disc Golf Podcast. So thank you for listening with us this week. Um, and let us know what you think on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, underscore hitting the line podcast. Is that correct, Jed? Underscore hitting the line. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and uh, if you, this week, we have we want to give away another disc. We gave, a, gave away a disc to um, this wonderful guy named Josh. He got that this past Monday, I think. Um, if you have a winning lineup after this weekend... The first person to share their winning lineup with us on Twitter, we will send you a disc. We're good for it. So follow us along. Follow with us. Play prize picks with us. Um, if you have not signed up for prize picks yet, use our referral code HTL, as in hitting the line when you sign up, um, and they will match your deposit bonus up to $100, 100%. And the best part about that, you get to play with that money right away. You don't have to wait or earn credits towards using it. You can use that money right away. Listen to some of our lineups and make yourself even more money. But like you said, Jed, let's get into the Music City Open and maybe some of the drama kind of surrounding it this week. Sure. Um, so we are at two different courses this year. Um, last year we were at only um, Mill. We were at Cedar Hill. Cedar Hill. And now it's Mill Ridge is the Mill other Ridge. Course. Yeah. Mill Ridge is our new course. Um, Cedar Hill is where we have played in the past. Cedar Hill is going to play more of like a wooded course, whereas Cedar Hill is going to play uh, vice versa. Did I say that backwards? I think so. Cedar Hill is going to be more of a wooded course, whereas 
Mill I can't Mill Ridge. Mill Ridge. I can't remember those. We, I think we well, got it. I'm, up here. I'm we used to at Worlds. We had Mill Site was one of our courses. No, so Mill Site is a Sows tournament. <laughs> <laughs> You're tripping. Well, anyways, I cannot seem to remember this one for the life of me. Um, but one course is more open, um, and Cedar Hill is more wooded. Um, the open course is a temp course that has been put in. And yeah, so let's talk about that temp course. There is some drama surrounding this temp course, specifically um, with the FPO field. Yeah, I think the FPO field is not happy. They have a bunch of mock lights, and even I've heard some pop-up baskets on their layout, which Haley King has been very vocal on Instagram about. We also had the Paul Macbeth vague tweet earlier this week saying something at the PDGA about how it's not a great finale, a finale, F-U-N, um, and that that's not really what the end of the year tournament should look like, which I don't necessarily disagree with Paul there. We would kind of expect the PDGA to put on something a little bit better, a little bit more polished, but this year has been really rough on the PDGA. They seem to be maybe lacking a little leadership. The DGPT has kind of become the new standard for payouts, for quality of tournaments, and pros are no longer happy with just your classic NT and kind of more basic tournaments. So uh, what do you feel about, do you, do you think Paul is taking the right, I guess the right way at his disgruntledness? Do you think there's a better way he could handle this other than tweeting about it on Twitter and kind of getting, you know, that foundation bro well, group I, I, I wish there would just be, like you said, I mean, this come from the PDGA, there's not leadership. But I wish Paul um, would show some true leadership here as well. He's always kind of just been the guy to just be upset about things and say, why can't everybody else be like me? Why can't this sport be where I want it to be? Um, you know, without really putting his foot and word forward first. And I, and I know some solutions, you know? Yeah. And I, I know he started this Paul Macbeth foundation or whatever this year. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do uh, with tax money and um, trying to, I mean, that, that's usually how it generally works when you're making a lot of money, you need a, uh, some type of foundation tax right off. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to give him all that credit. Um, I would like to see something more than a vague tweet that riles uh, all the foundation bros up for sure. Um, I think we could talk a little bit more as well about the baskets. I do want to clarify those pop-up baskets, et cetera, that are on the FPO layout. Those are for, it's for practice for whatever reason. Um, they only had enough baskets for the MPO, um, practice layout. But by the way, that is that a stance by the PDGA saying, I mean, it's not for the MPO layout. You, you have 18 baskets. You don't have enough for the MPO layout. You have 18 baskets. And it seems that they chose to put those on the men's practice side and not the women's. Does that mean anything to you or is that kind of just looking for a reason to be upset? I mean, a little bit of both. I think you got to take it somewhat as a slight. If you're an FPO player, you want to feel respected. You want to feel equal. And you're definitely not getting that treat that treatment. However, I won't say it from maybe a, you know, MPO versus FPO thing. But any AM who's played tournaments knows these pop-up things happen all the time. We have an entire series here in Oregon where it's nothing but pop-up baskets and ones that people bring. And Oh, excuse me. And yeah, you might have a couple more spit-outs, but the baskets are usually still quality. A mock light is still a great basket. I've got one in my backyard. I don't ever have any spit-outs. I put in there with a practice basket full of putters. They don't spit out. So I don't think it's a huge deal, but it definitely doesn't look professional, and, and it doesn't. it's not to the standard or the quality that the DGPT well, has Well, the, the real baskets will be up for the tournament. Okay. Um, right. This is just for practice, so I'm, I'm not sure... 
how much you can be upset about be upset by that but of course um, when you are a professional when you are the best in the world That's at right. what you're doing you kind of want to be treated like yeah that. you want that respect and you don't want other people to have the chance to be like well look at how they're treating the FPO players and so I think I'm all for Haley King and the rest of the FPO players to make us think about it but let's also then make a change in the PDGA if you want to make a run at a board position or something like that. There was an FPO player recently. Leah. Leah, who I think I think Sia she got Gini. voted. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I don't want to she, dis- she, disrespect she her. She did get elected. And she did get elected. That's someone who is putting her money where her mouth is and getting on the board to try to make changes happen. So I would really like to see some of those really vocal players who are upset about things. Go make a change. Don't just complain about it on social media. And- I mean, that's easy for us to say from our couch here. And Paige Pierce, um, for those of you guys who are unaware, was actually boycotting the NTs earlier this year for this reason. Exactly. She kind of felt like um, the women were getting slighted and mistreated by uh, the PDGA National Tour events all year. Again, the DGPT seems to be the new standard. There were a few more um, things that some of the players were kind of upset by. It seemed like while the courses were ready to go, it seemed like um, just kind of like mayhem and chaos, like small things such as garbages are completely full uh they don't even know where to park there's like no signage bad weather i think brought some flooding to the area which you can't really control but outside of all that we're in nashville this week playing at a couple courses one of them's new Um, one of them has some history chris dickerson took second at it last year and let me see like nico lacastro was up there and Alden Harris ended up taking it down. Um, that's a name I actually have not even seen before. I saw someone talk about him on Twitter. I think he's from somewhere in the South. And so someone was like, yeah. He is South on OTB Skins this week. So if you do want to catch him, make sure you watch OTB Skins. For sure. Shout out o- OTB Dis for the follow of our Twitter page this week. <laughs> the we OTB did them. follow us this uh, week. They do want to cross pod. So looking forward to doing that in the future. Maybe in the off season when things are running a little bit slow, we'd probably love to do that. Another name on the list I can see from here, Connor O'Reilly. So before he had his big win earlier this year, he was uh, showing up at the Music City Open and took a top 10 finish home. It looks Gavin like. Rathbun took top four as Johnny well. Johnny up there. Yeah, so there's definitely some names there. Brian Earhart, but it looks like there's going to be a lot more names there this year, it being the big finale. Well, also last league. year that we had, it was COVID as well. And so they had to make mm, a lot of that's right. uh, changes to make it COVID friendly. And I believe it was only an A tier last year. And so now we are in NT. Okay. So let's talk about it. Our first two rounds are going to be at Cedar Hill. Again, this is the course that we have seen before. Nas, what are you making of Cedar Hill? Um, what are you making of the lines? And how do you think people are going to shoot? Well, according to the lines on prize picks, it seems like they're really expecting people to shoot really hot. And I don't know if that's because there are a lot of short holes. Maybe you could take a look over there this, while I'm this chatting. This is and see. one of the shortest courses of the year, if not the shortest. I did see that. So we can expect probably a birdie bash. Last year, the highest rated round was around 1060, and I think that was a 9 or a 10 down. Yep. So I think that can kind of be what we look at when we look at the board of our magic number for Paul, Ricky, and Eagle. is going to be somewhere in that 9 or 10 down range, and then we can kind of make our entries based on that. <clears throat> And so when we do look at the prize picks board, I do want to mention something. So we are coming at you a day late here. This um, this tournament starts tomorrow. Oftentimes they start Friday. We would like to have these pods come out a day before. Um, like I'm like we had mentioned before, the Foundation Bros are sponsored by Prize Picks as well. They're they, late, man. And they, so while they're late, um, something of note is 
Since their podcast released yesterday, we have had a lot of line changes. Okay, let's um, hear about it. What this means is, so the way these uh, gambling industry works um, is, you know, the more that people place entries on a certain player, the more money that comes in on a certain player's over or under, the line starts to move up or down because, you know, these companies have to look out for themselves as well, right? If um, a lot of smart people are betting the over on Paul Macbeth, they're going to have to move their lines uh, up a little bit because they, they, they don't want to lose all their money. So anyways, what I'm getting at is since Foundation has released their pod, all of their picks that they have mentioned, and I literally mean all of them, I listened to the pod today, have actually moved a little bit. So if you think you're smarter than the Foundation bros, maybe... So normally you kind of want to get your entries in early before the line movement. But if you think the, if you think you can outsmart the Foundation bros... Uh, maybe you should wait a day late and wait until Friday morning to place your entries and pick the opposite of what they're thinking because they might be moving the money the wrong way to your benefit. I guess we'll see how that plays out. All right, Eula Berry. <laughs> let's see how it plays out. Let's let's see how it plays out. Yeah, kind of interesting now. Um, prize picks getting some traction in the disc golf world. So we hope it brings more listeners to this. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, hello and welcome and you guys are about to see what we do best. And so, by the way, there are some changes coming to Prize Picks as well. Um, it seems like there's going to be some FPO um, lines up on Friday, according to Brody. I'm I'm going to take this as true. I would imagine, you know, he's getting this information ahead of me. Um, and they're going to bring back birdies or better. We know for a fact that they were doing birdies or better at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that was a fun um, thing to and play. So, but a new thing they're going to be doing is... Um, and or place finished, for example, Kevin Jones sixth place finished over or under. You think he's gonna do better or worse than that? So that'll be really cool when that happens. Um, I think the way that it affects that is that you know you'll be able to have a cheaper sweat essentially. You can yeah you can uh, have fun watching the whole tournament rather than losing your money on round one and now you're bored for round two and three because you don't want to put more money in. Now, hopefully in the future you'll be able to um, bet on somebody where they finish. And you can watch the whole tournament uh, for cheaper and hopefully gain a little bit of money. Nice. Lastly, not that it matters, but I do think it's curious um, how Brody, last week he put out a tweet saying, should there be gambling in disc golf? Um, I believe that there should be. Let us know. I just thought it was curious how in that thread he goes on, somebody mentions, oh, well, there already is. We have prize picks. And he goes on saying, well, they don't do it that often. Bruh. When we know we've been doing this podcast for 12 episodes now and been every week prize picks even before we started the show since April. I joined prize picks, I think, in April 2021. So we know it's been going on for a while. It's almost kind of like he's fishing for validation. And then the next day, of course, they have their podcast about it where they're now sponsored by prize picks when first he didn't really seem that into it. So we it know money talks, especially cute money guy. grab I, for sure. Yeah. So when you do sign up for prize picks, please make sure to use the referral code HTL for hitting the line. Help us out. Uh, let's get some more listeners to this show. So let's take a look at the board. Um, let's make some predictions in real life and maybe correlate it to our prize picks selections. Well, I think the one one of the first things that hops out to me is Chris Dickerson, who has not been getting a ton of respect on prize picks the past few weeks after a couple of weeks of finishing really well, playing very good at the DGP match, DGPT match play. Chris Dickerson has the second lowest score 
on the prize picks board this week, only after Paul McBeth and Ricky Wysocki. So I think that's interesting. So Chris Dickerson, who has not, well, no, he's played great this year in the term, he's, but he has not always been that like second best scorer on the board type of guy. And he is this week. So that's interesting at 49 and a half strokes, Chris Dickerson, the- Paul McBeth and Ricky at 49 Calvin at 50 Kevin Jones and James Conrad and Adam Hammes at 51 strokes, Nico LaCastro at 52, Uliberry at 52, Garrett Gerthy 52 and a half, uh, Ezra Adderhold and Jeremy Colling at 52 and a half, and finally Emerson Keith at 52 and a half. So they're predicting that no one's going to shoot worse really than six down, which I think is an anomaly and tells us what this course maybe plays like. So when we look back at last year, and we see some of these nine and ten downs. We know that's around a ten sixty, and so it makes sense that they would put Paul, Ricky, and Dickerson kind of in that category. Calvin too, at you know a score of fifty. So they're they're saying, you know, is Calvin going to shoot better than an eight down? So interesting board this week. Really low numbers. I think the Dickerson thing is definitely super interesting. If you choose the under, you're you're saying nine down. You're saying about ten fifty five, maybe pushing a ten sixty. Obviously, it's in his range. We've seen him doing the 1099s. We're in Tennessee. I'm okay if you We're choose. In the South. Of course, he's probably played before. I'm okay if you choose the Dickerson under. I'm sure the line has moved. I believe it was a little bit higher before. I was 50 or 50 and a half if I had to yeah. guess. Yeah, so this is one of those ones maybe where you really want to be early and you, you want to hit that under right away the first night that it drops. Like I said, we're obviously a day late here. Um, so you are definitely losing some EV. You're losing some expected value by choosing Dickerson on the under late here. Although I still think it's definitely a good play. Another idea too, and I mentioned this when we were talking off mic of, uh, you know, they're playing Cedar Hill the first two rounds. Maybe it's not a terrible idea to wait out the first round if you're just hearing this and it's too late to place your your uh, entries and maybe wait for round two to see how players shoot and then maybe start to make some moves and make your entries. But I mean, maybe one of your favorite players shoots terrible the first round, and that gives you the chance to smash the under the second round because those lines are going to adjust according to how they shot in the first round. I'm seeing Garrett Gerthy and under here would be a six down. I know third round last year he actually shot a seven down, although the first and second round he only had a seven down total. So we know the seven is in his range. Yeah. Maybe he comes out first round, doesn't shoot that well. And that line moves from a 52 and a half to maybe a 54. Maybe that second round is when you're going to want to smash that under. Yeah. And what about a guy like Paul, Paul Uliberry, who is just a classically good golfer at a 52 doing better than a six. Is that possible? I think so. Uh, However, you know, I just don't see him only doing two strokes better. Well, I guess it's three strokes better than Paul and Ricky. So Interesting lines this week. When the numbers are so low, it's really kind of tough to pick who you're going to choose on your under and your over. Some other points of note, um, Nico is always staying in the middle of the pack. He hasn't been performing to where we wanted to, but he he spanked out Gavin Rathbun this week. I think you're okay to choose the under or the over on him if you want. I know his line moved up a little bit this week, so maybe you can go with the under. I see Hammes at a 51 and think, hmm, especially since that's you two strokes higher. You just want to bet on talent sometimes, right? Yeah, since that's two strokes higher than Paul and Rick, I feel like Adam can just shoot any round that they can shoot. There's nothing, there's no throw on this course that Adam can't do that Paul and Rick can. So and, I feel and we know he's got beyond elite putting. Beyond elite putting. So I think an under for Adam Hammes is probably a pretty safe play. If you that's were to make a three-pick flex right now, what are you thinking? Well, I think... Adam Hammes there is going to be my under. 
on an over. Oh man. Could be Emerson. Like I said, he hasn't played great recently, except for against Ricky at the DGPT match play. So I could see him shooting a 53, which is a five down. Did Emerson Keith play this tournament last year? He I did, think he did. He, no, no, no. He did not. I don't believe. I don't, I'm not sort by alphabetical in the top. Just by 50. clicking on the names. Sure. See if he's on there, Mr. Keith Emerson. He's not. No. Oh, yes, he is. Oof. He shot a. Okay. There is actually. A, oh, he tied for sixth. Okay, okay, so then he played well. If we sort by score, we can kind of take a look at the rounds there. But I think Emerson... Emerson had a 19 total through three rounds last year, so that's a six or a seven average. And guess what they got him at? A six down? Six down. I think you could choose Emerson on the under here. Maybe he's coming off some confidence. Yeah, he's got to be feeling good after spanking Rick. I know this course has only slightly been modified to make it a little bit harder. I, I wouldn't put much weight into it. Yeah, I would be okay with an Adam Hamas under a Nico LaCastro over. Although this could also be the type of course that Nico can do really well at if there's not a ton of out of bounds, not a ton of time for him to get it in his own head. He could probably shoot uh, an under or an over. But I, I really wish the Garrett line was at a 52 and not a 52 and a half. That would make me want to choose the over there. I could see over on Ulibarri or Ulibarri. I could see him shooting a, a five down maybe the first first round, then maybe sure. coming out the second round and shooting a little hotter. We know on this show we've documented that second round is usually where the hottest rounds are shot. So in the first round, maybe you can afford to take an over on someone like Yuli and, or someone like Ezra. And before we back out of this of this board and tell you that, you know, we don't want to give you the worst picks of all time, I think the safest thing you can do is just look at the strokes. And then compare it to the round ratings. What do you think that somebody has in their range? What can they shoot? We've seen 1090 out of Chris Dickerson. Do we think Emerson Keith has 1060 in his range this week? Is Paul going to come out blazing hot after his win at the Battle of Battle for Bedford where he shot really good? I think he shot 1060 golf, 1055 golf there. Uh, is he going to come out and maybe get an end-of-the-season win here? Uh, we know Ricky's been finishing second a lot recently, so we can expect him to continue to shoot well. I wouldn't be mad if you chose the Ricky over. Yeah, if, I can definitely see the over there. I mean, in a Ricky over is a it's 40, still an eight down. Yeah, in the eight down, let me see. That's got to be ten fifty three. I would bet. Let's look at last year's here. It, that's about what it was. I, somehow, I don't think anybody shot the not, an eight sort down. By I, round. See, I see sevens, tens. Yeah, sort by round. There we, we go. We have one eight down. It was Emerson Key. Ten fifty two. That's well, a great. Did I just say ten fifty three? People say ratings don't matter. <laughs> oh, let me make a quick statement about that. For sure. people who say uh, ratings don't matter, just like how Vegas, when Vegas does something, they're impartial and they're usually right. Prize Picks is using ratings to come up this with these lines, we folks. About, yes, about we've talked about this. Prize Picks is using ratings to come up with these lines. If and ratings didn't matter or something like that, or weren't per, uh, you know weren't in like important, then they wouldn't use them to make money. Guys, it's it's clear over a long period of time, over a large sample size, ratings do generally show how somebody will consistency. Shoot. Exactly. Um, so and guess he, what? It's no surprise that a 59 is a 1060 rated round, or sorry, a 49 is a 1060 rated round at, at this course, and Paul Macbeth and Ricky Waisaki are the people with those scores. And then just to go to the opposite opposite side of that, our worst projected person this week is Jeremy Colling at a 52 and a half. So if you were to choose the over on Jeremy Colling, a 53 is a 1026. What has Jeremy Colling been shooting all year? 1025 golf. What is, Jer what is Jeremy Colling rated? 
probably 1025 by probably. 1025. Yeah. yeah. So there is something to it, guys. And you know, ratings are mostly for AMs, but if gaming sites like Price Picks are using them to set lines to make money, then guess what? It means something. They matter. So So I mean, like I said, there's there's not we don't have like any locks this week. We're a little bit late, so some of these lines have moved, so we don't want to make you lose out on expected value by giving you some picks. Um, look at the strokes. Look at what the ratings were last year. Make your picks. Use some general theory that we've discussed all year. Uh, you know, take Ricky on the over. I mean, you're biting your your tongue when you do it, but his over is still a 1050 plus rated round, which is right. phenomenal. Maybe choose um, the guy on the opposite side of the end, Jeremy Colling, on the under, and mix in some of the middle guys for who you like. We obviously like Adam Hammes. We choose the guys with the most talent all day to shoot on the under rather than hoping somebody like Nico will do it. That's right. Um, well, I just put together a little three-pick flex. I'm going Adam Hammes under, Nico Castro over 52, Paul McBeth over 49. And, you know, on this show, one of our strategies is pick Paul or Rick, hit that over even though you hate to do it because sometimes that's all you can do. And sometimes it's the easiest choice, and oftentimes it pays out. So they can still shoot a great round, and you hit that over. And once again, it's the first round, so maybe we're not going to see a 47 the first round, but you never know. You might you might the second round. Yeah, and just piggybacking off that, I'll, I like the Ezra under as well. If I was to make a three-pick flex, it would probably be um, Hamas under, Ricky, or Paul over, and then Ezra under as well. I'm going to go Ezra under. I, th- I, th- I think he could be even an overpick, too. He's another one of those yeah, guys. I mean, that he's you could definitely high variance. Way. He, for some reason, refuses to tone down the speed of his backhand or his forehand. He's just... If Brett Favre was yeah, a disc go. golfer, he'd be Ezra Aderhold for that's, sure. Yep, that's a great comparison. Just I like to- that. total gunslinger. He's gonna go balls to the wall. He'll show up with a 1080 every now and again, but when he shoots at 1020, you're like, bruh. He feels salty about it. Yeah. No, uh, I think those are pretty safe lines in general. Again, I would encourage some of you just maybe wait till that round two, see what people come back with, see what the vibe of the course is, what holes are easy. Uh, when you're watching that first round, count in your head how many gimme twos there are how many i I like that strategy as well how many must get birdies are there on this course so something i often do when me and us i mean you know we have real lives quote unquote so a lot of the studying that we get in for this podcast is just me pulling pulling up the caddy book and i'm just literally looking at a map of the holes and saying oh this one's probably a gimme oh they, they need to get this one oh this one might look tougher and i'm kind of just trying to figure out you know like you said how many gimmies are there because I, I know those higher end guys those kevin joneses i'm like they're going to execute on those ones but count some of those gimmies uh, maybe wait a little bit and remember rounds three and four are being played at a different course so after round two don't don't place your your entries thinking that it's the same course because it's not you might want to hold off on your entries again in round three because we're actually seeing a brand new course don't fall into that trap yeah well and- well, well, and then just lastly, I, I think that's another reason why we're looking forward to the um, new format, you know? Yeah, oh, the overall placed. place. Yeah, yeah. Entry, yeah. 
Because then we don't have to worry about what the course looks like. I'm taking. I'm just going to bet on the guys with the most talent who I think shooting the hottest at the time. Yeah, it'll be really fun to be able to say, yeah, I think Ricky's going to shoot better than fourth or is going to finish better than fourth because the guy's been a second-place machine, a first- and second-place machine all year long. So that would be a really fun option. I'm hoping to see that. I also do like the total birdies because on some of these courses previous mm-hmm. this season with a ton of OB yep. guys like Kevin Jones – can have a birdie fest. It seems Racking like up birdies, but it doesn't seven. come out on the scorecard. Right. And then you don't see it on the scorecard. So if you feel like, again, you're counting birdies on a certain course and you feel like, wow, there's at least seven out here that I feel most of these top, top pros should get. That's something that you can make an entry on is a uh, amount of birdies. So guys, not I think, this week, I think prize picks is going to be lit next year. We are approaching the end of the season. So get your practice in now. Nas, if you had to take a winner this week, who's it going to be? Oh, man, if I had to take a winner this week. Don't we hate doing it? We hate picking winners because we don't really believe in it because we know that there's just so many people who could have a huge day or a huge weekend and win. But it's got to be, I don't know, man. I feel like it's, is it finally time for Paul to take one home? I don't know. And I say finally, even though he has one this year, it doesn't quite feel like a Paul year. Oh, man, you're really making me do this. I'm going to go with the Southern boy. I'm going to say Chris Damn, Dickerson. Yeah, that was mine. I'm going to go Chris Dickerson the, the is in the South. Pick. He likes playing in the South. He's a, he's a guy who used to be regional and only played And we played call him a woods golfer. And he's just an accurate golfer. He's someone who's, if there's not a huge amount of distance on this course, which it doesn't seem that there is, he's someone who can compete on every hole for a birdie. And as we saw in the match play, he can go head-to-head with some of these bombers too. So he ain't scared of nobody. So I'm going to go Chris Dickerson. Love that guy. Love something extra I want to put out there. Love how open he's been about some of his mental health stuff and his his, his anxiety um, so shout out Chris Dickerson. We like him. Robot Chicken throwing the prodigy. I'm gonna take him to win it all. How about you? Who are you choosing? Okay. Let me think here. I got the wrong thing pulled up. Just want to make sure all these players. Everybody's playing this week, right? So if I was to say Kyle Klein, he's playing. I believe so. We don't have this year pulled have pulled up yet. He doesn't have a lineup. Kyle Klein, we feel like was just one missed putt away from getting to a quarterfinal or final in the DG. DGPT match play. He's been on fire the whole season. He could easily win this thing too. So, okay, give me Kevin Jones. I'm just waiting for it to happen. I know. I'm just waiting, waiting for, for it to happen. To finally give me, get a win. Give me Kevin Jones to win it. It's a lot of uh, shorter holes. I jump, mean, jump putt. Jones is going to be in full effect. Maybe. I'm really hoping so. Well, we're hoping so. All right. If you, if again, if you send us a winning lineup from this weekend i don't care how many lineups you if you play 100 lineups and you win just one and you lost a bunch of money give us a screenshot at our twitter we'll send you a disc and uh yeah make sure you're telling your friends about prize prize picks tell them to use the code htl when they sign up for a hundred percent match on their first 100 dollars and I think that's going to do it from us. Nas, do you have anything else? Jed, you're going to be uh, recording some commentary coming up here soon. Oh, yes, right? I am. Do you want to talk about that for everyone out there who maybe has not heard of this up-and-coming up film crew? Sure. Um, tomorrow I am going to be doing some FPO coverage commentary with B-Dub Pro. We are going to be commentating on the 2021 Safari, San Francisco, San Safari, Francisco right? Safari. Um, so look out for that again. The YouTube account is B Dub Pro. Our buddy Cam is the Cam the, McKilling. Cam McKilling. He is the the leader in that. He's the one who's been putting this all together. It's been real cool watching him grind his way. Literally, and he's really la- been grinding. Literally last year, he was coming, creating 
local skins matches and recording with iPhones yep. attached to lacrosse Tape, sticks. Taped onto some lacrosse sticks, and now my man's got cameras, and he's traveling. Sponsored by PDGA. They're yeah. having him do – he just did um, Am Worlds. He did lead card Am Worlds. And to be honest, it was kind of an inspiration to see him just pick up and start something for us to start this podcast ourselves this year. I, I would 100% say we started this because we said, oh, we can do it. Yeah, like we can just do, do it. it. Our buddy Cam can do it. He's awesome. We're going to try something too. So be on the lookout at B-Dub Pro for that coverage. You can listen to Jed analyze the FPO card there. Ella Hansen will, will be on that card, own Scoggins, and a few more ladies. Awesome. So if you are into watching some FPO coverage, make sure to check that out. But I think that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, so, Jed. That's it. That's it. Peace. Peace. Yeah, burn, burn, burn.